You're listening to a message from the Winsboro Church of Christ. This is the Winsboro.Church podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or prayer requests, you can get in touch with us at any time through our website at Winsboro.Church. Good morning and Happy New Year. It is 2021, at least by the time you're watching this. I'm recording it earlier in the week, but just typing in my notes and getting ready for my sermon and typing in just the date for this Sunday, January 3rd, 2021, it felt pretty good. Normally it takes me a while to adjust to getting to write 2021 and the dateline on checks or whatever, but I don't think it's gonna take me too long to adjust this year. I'm glad to leave 2020 behind. And I don't know what 2021 holds in store, but at least for right now, Happy New Year. I hope you're having a great day. I hope you're having a great week and we're kicking off the first Lord's Day of the new year. So thank you for tuning in and watching and wanting to worship the Lord this morning. I want to worship as well as I can with you, even though you're at home. We're starting a new study this year on the good news of Jesus. And over the course of this year, we're going to look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Not in that order. Uh, we're actually going to look at the Gospel of Mark first. That's where, what we're getting into today. And But I would encourage you, uh, whenever you get your bulletin in the mail, look and see the dates and the readings and let's read through the four gospels together this year now it's probably not the most extensive reading you've ever done many of you have no doubt read through the bible the entire bible in a year but and keep doing whatever your reading plans are but add to your reading plan add to your study of god's word a weekly diving into the story of jesus uh, I think about what we need for 2021, and Katie and I have discussed this, and we've discussed it with the elders, and thinking you know, the church, everybody in church, outside of church, has had a rough year. What do we do with 2021? Not knowing exactly what it will bring by any means, and it didn't take long for, as we talked, to think, you know, what we need is more Jesus. I like the sign that says, I need a little bit of coffee and a whole lot of Jesus. And I don't know if you like coffee or not. Really doesn't matter. We all need a whole lot of Jesus. And that's what I want to do this year. To just keep recentering ourselves, reorienting ourselves to the story of our Lord and our Savior and our King. And we're going to start with the Gospel of Mark. Uh, the shortest of the four gospel accounts, but rich and deep. And I hope you are amazed at the story of Jesus. That's kind of what Mark is going for. And he tells us how many people are amazed in Jesus's presence. And I think we're never supposed to be so comfortable with the stories and that we preach about and have in our Bible classes and read ourselves in our own Bibles. I hope, I hope they never become mundane because they truly are amazing stories, especially the ones about Jesus, the ones about our Lord. Mark chapter one, verse one, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. 
Mark tells us right up front what he's doing, how, what he's intending to tell us. He's wanting his readers, he's wanting the people that are going to pass this manuscript to the various churches and maybe to other people as well and to read it out loud and open forums where the public can hear. He said, this is what this is about. This is the beginning of the gospel, the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That inherently, what comes next in the next 16 chapters of Mark is good news. Is news that we need to hear, is news that will change our life. And that's shown even more so in chapter 1, verse 14. Now after John was imprisoned, Jesus went into Galilee and proclaimed the gospel of God. Same word, good news of God. He said, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the gospel, the good news. So chapter one of Mark, Mark tells us from the vantage point of a narrator, I'm going to tell you about the good news of Jesus Christ, the son of God. And the first time that we see Jesus speaking here in the gospel. What do we see? He's, he is saying, I have good news. There is a gospel. There is good news. And what is the, the content of that good news? Well, it's verse 15. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is near. That is the good news. That is the good news that should prompt us to repent. And the word repent just means to change, to stop pursuing a dead end, to stop pursuing the wrong and start pursuing the right, to stop pursuing the kingdoms and the ways of this world and to pursue the kingdom of God because the good news is the kingdom of God is near. The time is fulfilled. It's upon us. It's right here in your very midst. And that good news in the kingdom centers around the king that Mark's already told us. That's what this book is about. The gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is the same gospel as the gospel of the kingdom being near because Jesus is the one who brings the kingdom. Jesus is the king over the kingdom. Jesus is the one with the authority to usher in an entirely new era, a new way of thinking, a new way of being, a new reign over our lives. Because he is the king, the eternal king, who brings with him the eternal kingdom. Mark chapter 1, verse 16. As he went along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, Simon's brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will turn you into fishers of people. Then they left their nets immediately and followed him. Going on a little, a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in their boat, mending nets. Immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed them. So the, after Jesus pronounces that the kingdom of God is near, after he says, repent and believe the good news, the very first thing he does is he exercises his authority. His authority as king. And for the next two weeks, and as we get, start to open up and 
realize what the gospel of Mark is trying to get across to us right right out of the gates. Right here in these first instances, we have the authority of Jesus being reinforced. And this first and foremost authority is exercised over people. Ordinary people. People like you, people like me, have a job, have a family, just trying to get by in a world that's topsy-turvy, difficult, challenging, and keeps us strung out so much that we can't tell which end is up. And these men vying for their survival, fishing for a living, which in some ways sounds pretty good, but in other ways, when you realize they couldn't go to the grocery store if they didn't get the day's catch. If they had a bad day, they didn't eat. Uh, they didn't get any money, so um, this is not an easy life. They were honest people, hardworking people. And Jesus says, follow me. Why would he say that? Well, inherently, no doubt, he's implying that he's worth following. Follow me, I'm going to show you something. Follow me, you're going to be part of something. Follow me, I'm doing something. What is he doing? He's bringing the kingdom of God. And he says, you will be the ones I send out. That's what the word apostle means. The sent out. The ones sent out with a message to keep sharing this good news of the kingdom of God. And he this kingdom of God is tied directly into the king that is bringing the kingdom, and he has authority. Authority over people and specifically over their minds, over their bodies, and over their spirits. And here in this first instance, we see his authority over their bodies. He says, follow me. And here he's not saying, follow me and think about me in some kind of uh, abstract way, you know, it's get up, get out of your boats, and start walking. And as the king who commands all of us, our body included, they stood up and they followed. And what they were thinking and why they did it and why they were willing to in that moment is a bit of a mystery to us. But Jesus was exerting his authority, and these men, for whatever reason, they submitted to that authority. And that's our job. Simply put, Jesus is the only one in this world who has the authority to tell us what to do. And he does tell us what to do. He says, get up, follow me. Verse 21, then they went to Capernaum. When the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people there were amazed. See, here we have this idea of being amazed. They were amazed by his teaching because he taught them like one who had authority, not like the experts in the law. So Jesus has exerted his authority over body over just people in general and saying get up and follow and they got up and they follow well now he exerts his authority over the truth and he has authority over the truth everyone else in the world the truth has authority over us uh, I can lie I can 
deceive, I can manipulate, I can try to bend the truth, but really the truth isn't bent. My words may restrict your view of it if I'm being deceitful, at least a, a portion of it, whereas I get the point I want to get across, but I leave out oh, this other important fact here. And so I can try to manipulate it and twist it, and many do, but the truth is unchanged. What is true does not change. It is the authority under which we operate. We have to grapple with and come to terms with and submit to what is true. Well, the opposite is true of Jesus. What is true submits to Jesus. Because he is the epitome of truth. And so when he teaches, when he interacts with our minds, when he interacts with the minds of some of the most educated and influential and smartest people of his day, students of scripture, Jesus blows their minds. Jesus amazes them, those gathered in the synagogue, and they're amazed and go, this is different. He teaches as one who has authority. He teaches like somebody who knows what they're talking about. He teaches like someone who isn't just studying the truth and trying to get little snippets of the truth and hand it out. And in some ways, that's all I do. <laughs> I look to scripture and I try to find the snippets of truth and then disseminate it and help others see it too. All the while I'm trying to become a better student of the truth. And I wonder what Jesus sounded like. I wonder how he was different than me. And how maybe I could try to be a bit more like him. And I don't know. I'm just a guy. And I do not have the authority over truth like he did. I don't have the authority to be perfectly aligned with what is absolute truth without any inconsistencies. That's not me. And so I can't quite speak with that authority. I don't know that anyone's ever said this of me. Oh, that Colby Clapp, he speaks as one who has authority. And I, I wish I did more, I guess. But at the same time, I don't want to be arrogant because that's all my authority would be because my truth is not perfect truth. My truth is not the supreme truth. Truth doesn't follow me. I'm just trying to follow the truth. But again, Jesus, it's a whole different ballgame. Jesus is the truth. It says in the Gospel of John, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And that verse in John that we love so much, the truth will set you free. He's talking about himself. He is the truth. And he proclaims truth with authority because he has authority over truth. Not to change truth, but to present it in its perfect and pristine and absolute, unchangeable nature. Jesus, his authority is unwavering. And here we get to a point, we're going to see more here in just a moment. Jesus' authority is not depended upon how we perceive it. Everyone else's authority in this world is based on perception. 
we believe that the president has authority and therefore he has authority. If no one in America believed the president had any authority, he wouldn't. That's why we no longer have a king because the United States of America, those of us living here in the new world in the 13 colonies decided that, you know what? We've been listening to King George and following King George and you know, respecting his authority, but I don't really think he has authority. Not to do the things he's wanted to do, taxation without representation and on it goes. And so that perception broke and King George's authority was gone because it was just perception. And of course, that's how revolutions start. And there have been many in the course of this world, kingdoms rising and kingdoms fall, falling, all because authority is, it's a little bit of a ruse. It's a little bit of a show. It's, it's empty. This earthly authority, which kind of passes hands like a baton from one people to the next people to the next people and around and around it goes. And, and even the religious leaders like the scribes and teachers of the law, Whichever one sounded smart today, well, well, he maybe has authority, but then this guy makes a good point and he's authority. And so it kind of got passed around and as old scribes died and new scribes and experts in the law took over and made different points and it was just an ongoing and it's still ongoing. I mean, encyclopedias were supposed to be the authority. Well, <laughs> encyclopedias get out of date. New things are discovered. New truths are given. And then later on, well, those truths don't quite hold up anymore. Now we've got to rewrite it again. That's the way of the world, but not Jesus. His authority isn't dependent upon us perceiving it or even us submitting to it. No, Jesus came up to Peter, Andrew, James, and John and said, follow me. And they did. Amazingly, Had they not? And not everyone that Jesus said, follow me, did they follow. Some chose not to. And had Peter, Andrew, James, and John not followed, it would not have changed Jesus' authority in the least. And when Jesus spoke up and spoke truth, and here in this instance, the people are amazed. In other instances, the people are going to be mad. They're going to be upset. They're not going to like the truth that Jesus shows them. And so they're going to resist it. They're going to call him a liar, drunkard, demon-possessed himself, going to insult him, try to make him look foolish and look stupid, to try to somehow take away from the truth he's speaking, but you can't. Even if you don't believe it, even if you walk away and say, that guy's crazy, it doesn't change the fact he's king. Any other kingdom and king and government leader and authority in this world holds on to his power simply because people believe he has it. Not so with Jesus. Jesus didn't have to hold on to his power. He just had it. And he has always had it. and He will always have it. And we see that even more here in the miracle. Verse 23, just then there was a man in the synagogue with an unclean spirit. 
And he cried out, leave us alone, Jesus of Nazareth. Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him. Silence, come out of him. After throwing him into convulsions, the unclean spirit cried out with a loud voice and came out of him. They were all amazed so that they asked each other, what is this? A new teaching with authority. He even commands the unclean spirits and they obey him. So Jesus has the authority over our bodies. Uh, come and follow. And we are supposed to follow. He has authority over our minds. He gives us truth that we're supposed to believe. And here it's going good. Later on, we're going to resist it. The people in Scripture are going to resist it, and we still resist it. But his authority also extends into our very spirits. Whatever demon possession looked like, what it was, how it worked, I don't know. But I can say one thing. There is no demon strong enough to resist the authority of Jesus. There is no unclean spirit. There is no part of us that's too dark or twisted or bent out of shape or corrupted by sin and by Satan and demons themselves. That when Jesus says, leave, that they can keep from leaving if they wanted to. Jesus has that kind of authority. And the people were amazed. They'd heard lots of smart people say smart things, but Jesus wasn't about smart, smart things. Not, not necessarily and definitely not only that. He spoke as one with a completely different perspective. He, he acted as one with a completely different perspective and he commanded even unclean spirits with a completely different perspective because he had the authority to do it. And Jesus didn't have to show off his authority or convince people of his authority. No, he just had it. And if our eyes are open, we see it. Gospel of Mark, at the beginning, here in this first chapter, people's eyes are starting to open. It's not going to be too much longer and people's eyes are going to start closing. And they're not going to want to see the authority of Jesus. Because here's the thing about authority. It's not dependent on whether we like it or not. So if Jesus tells me something I don't like, I have two options. I can either say, okay, I'll do it anyway, because I recognize and submit to his authority. But the other alternative, the one that my fleshly broken self tends to want to go for is, well, maybe Jesus doesn't know what he's talking about. You want me to do what? No, I don't think that could be right. I think maybe you don't have that authority after all because I like being my authority. I like being the one that decides and determines what is right and good and appropriate 
and what makes sense. And that's how I live and orient my life and think and wrap my mind around. And that's who I am. The things I hold on to, the, the, the facts, the, the, the convictions I believe in. And that puts me kind of as my own authority. But here's Jesus, the king, bringing a new kingdom, proclaiming the good news, not just of salvation. We're going to get to that. <laughs> I mean, it's all wrapped up together. But Mark doesn't start with the good news that brings salvation. He really just starts with the good news simply that Jesus is king and therefore he has the authority. And that is good news. Because, I don't know if you've looked around lately or if you lived through 2020 and made it through and can look back and go, wow, we make a mess of things. Human authority, worldly authority is broken. And the people living in the time of Jesus woke up underneath the Roman Empire and they realized human authority is broken. But what can you do? Well, we can't do anything. I mean, if once in a while somebody starts a revolution, but then is the problem really fixed? Is society healed? Are things made so good that they don't break again? No. So we continue a cycle and keep passing around the baton of authority and does it really ever get much better? And that's the, that's the world Jesus entered into and that's the world we still grapple with. But here's the good news. All those other authorities that make a mess of things, including me, because again, I like being my own authority. All, all the authorities that make a mess of things aren't the real authority. The good news is there is real authority. Authority over mind and body and spirit. And his authority is absolute. That's good news, because that means the messes we've made aren't the end. The messes we made aren't all there is. There's something more. There's someone above it all. And he doesn't just above it all, he brings his authority and his goodness and his power and his might and his truth and his compassion and everything. He brings it to us because the kingdom of God has come near. The king is bringing God's kingdom. And we're at the cusp of it because Jesus is beginning his work.